Hey y'all, I am back with an update. I got the juice. The first of a series of two Pfizer COVID-19 vaccinations, and I'll tell you all about it. Stay tuned. You're listening to The Purple Stethoscope. I am your host, Devin Nixon, family nurse practitioner. None of the information in this podcast is sufficient nor intended to diagnose your personal medical issue, but there's a lot to learn, so let's start the show. If you're tired of hearing about vaccine news, you've come to the wrong place. (laughs) I um, will get to that and tell you guys about my experience with the first of two doses. Um, But first, I just wanted to say happy holidays. We are ending, wrapping up uh, one of probably the hardest, most difficult years uh, in most of our lives. If you're under 40, maybe one of the most difficult, strange, just odd years. Um, We had our Christmas celebration with just the members of our household and our daughter who uh, is not living at home. Uh, She lives by herself, Um, but she's great about masking and distancing and is always willing to wear her mask in the house, which feels so crazy, but we love you, Mariah, and appreciate you for keeping yourself and everyone else safe. Uh, For a lot of folks, it was a very different Christmas celebration. Um, My family in Atlanta, my mom's side, we had a Christmas Zoom, which was horribly clunky. We spent most of it like doing tech support for one another. Um, Definitely helps to have a moderator if you are going to have a big group (laughs) meeting over Zoom. But it was wonderful to see everybody's faces, including my granddaddy, who is 94 years old, y'all. So that was really cool. That was really cool. I promised to tell you about my surgery. And I think the more time that I let pass... um, the harder it's going to be for me to remember the details and come back to it. So I'm going to start with that. And I then I promise I will get to the vaccine. I have shared in the past on the podcast that I had suffered from fibroids. I never really went into great detail about it because um, through my healing journey, I learned that I had a great deal of shame tied to that, being a healthcare provider, being a nurse, um, you you just, I don't know, I, I always had this little bit of shame, like I'm supposed to be the picture of health and I'm supposed to be like super healthy and not have these kinds of problems. But part of my healing journey was understanding that I'm just another person and every part of what we go through might be helpful to somebody else. So quick share. Um, I started having some really bad symptoms um, of back pain and like left-sided sciatica pain. I want to say I started noticing it 2013-ish. And at that time, I was running half marathons. And so when you are running and in running shape, you're super aware of your body, super aware of um, when things feel off, <laughs> things that limit your time or mess up your splits, it's like, okay, what was going on with me today? Started noticing it then, but it really didn't start bothering me until the beginning of 2015. So 2015, um, super stressful year. Um, I started the year with my dad being really sick. 
he had kidney failure and died that April. And my symptoms just progressed and progressed and progressed. And um, I wasn't running as much anymore because it was super painful. And then in October of 2015, on my commute to work, a semi-truck decided to change lanes and did not see me. So there was a bunch of cars in front of me, a bunch of cars behind me. There was not enough room for him to get over. And I truly don't think he saw me. Um, So I laid on my horn, put my emergency flashers on, and braked as much as I could at 60 miles per hour to try to get behind him, all the way behind him before he got over and the tail end of his truck hit my Honda CRV and um, rocked my world. So my symptoms super exacerbated after that. Um, It was just just all these things, right? So I'm having these aches and pains in my body. I'm not able to run. My father's dying and dies. My mom had her first aortic dissection that year as well. And then I get hit by a semi-truck. <laughs> I mean, I can't believe that I just said all that in just a minute or two because um, I got down on myself for being depressed as well. But now when I hear myself say all that I went through in the span of less than a year, I'm like, well, no kidding you were depressed, Devin. Anyway, um, things just got worse and worse after that. And um, finally, there was I had thought about getting surgery a few times. Um, But I kept being told that I would need to have a hysterectomy, which I didn't want. And a lot of people were like, well, you're done having kids, right? What do you want to hang on to your uterus for? And for me, it was a personal personal thing. I have um, some beliefs around um, that space and my womb space and um, some meaning behind that that was important to me. So I did not want to proceed with a surgery that would result in me no longer having a uterus. And I want to stop here and just say, um, no judgment if you are somebody who is willing to give up your uterus. Um, It's a very personal thing, right? So there's not a right or a wrong. Um, But for me, I did not want to do that. And I couldn't find anybody who was willing to operate on me um, without there being a really big um, chance that I would wake up without a uterus. So I suffered long and bad. (laughs) Um, Just, you know, fibroids, they are non-cancerous uterine tumors. And I say non-cancerous uterine tumors because they're not benign. The word benign does not go along with symptomatic fibroids um, because they're not benign at all. I was tired. I um, had really heavy menses that long and often, you know, <laughs> decided my days for me, whether I would um, go and visit with friends or exercise or um sit in my car without a kitchen trash bag (laughs) underneath me, what color clothes I wore to work, and on and on and on. And I want to say about December, mm, what year is this? Okay, of course, it's 2020. So December of last year, things got so bad that I was literally going in the bathroom crying between patients like that I was seeing throughout the day. 
Um, I was taking ibuprofen and Tylenol every four hours. It was just so miserable. And um, I did all the things. I did all the yoga. I did all of the meditations. I prayed. I did one womb meditation that just completely broke me. And I just sobbed and sobbed and sobbed and um, really kind of came to the end of myself in my journey. Like, I can't do this anymore. Um, And my gynecologist, who had been my gynecologist for 23 years, was retiring. And um, he thought I was a high bleeding risk. Um, The Just the way, the location of the tumors has a lot to do with how symptomatic you're going to be and how risky a procedure would be or whether they would be able to remove them without, you know, cutting you open, if they could do it, you know, laparoscopically with a couple smaller incisions or whether they'd have to make a big one. And he just was like, yeah, no, girl, (laughs) like, love you. Um, He delivered all three of my kids. He's just a wonderful, wonderful gynecologist, obstetrician, but was not going to go there with me. In my last visit with him, he said, um, you know, I'm retiring, but you go find you some young whippersnapper who would be willing to do that surgery. So um, also I should say I tried a lot of experimental things. I tried an IUD. I tried um, a medication called Ella or Ulipristal. Um, I tried... Uh, another medication that is, you know, meant to help people get pregnant, um, but also, you know, could help shrink the tumors. I tried everything and um, I did not try um, uterine embolization, uterine artery embolization, which is a procedure um, that basically cuts off the blood supply to the tumors so they can shrink up to like 50%. Um, but, you know, I I consulted with an uh, interventional radiologist about it. And there were some things about that procedure that I wasn't okay with either. Um, so, and that's just like me racing through seven years of... <laughs> Doctor visits, testing, workups, um, consultations, trial medications, um, non-traditional and alternative medicine things, massage, chiropractic, and everything you can imagine. Drinking all kinds of tonics, and there are some nasty tonics out there. There are some tonics out there that I just don't understand why they're out there um, because they did not shrink my tumors, but they surely shrinked my faith in both the tonic um, and just hard to choke down. So um, I was going to have my surgery in February of 21. Um, Oh, I guess I skipped. So I met a new doctor. I reestablished care with a new gynecologist, um, wonderful, super wonderful guy. And I should say, um, some of this stuff is hard to talk about, which is probably why I'm like talking so fast because there's a lot of emotional, um, and mental health anguish that I went through that I don't actually enjoy talking about or thinking about. Um, but I should say there was a lot of that. And I will, um, say that, OB and gynecologic visits can be very triggering and traumatic for me 
And I've had instances where I lost language and like the ability to um, really communicate, I guess, or like um, get through those kinds of visits. And so having to reestablish with a new doctor after 23 years is somebody who I met when I was 16 years old um, was not fun. (laughs) I had one visit with him and I thought that I was going to be able to uh, bring my husband who always comes with me and is super supportive and knows me and can talk when I can't. Um, But because of the COVID-19 restrictions, he could not come with me. And so I'm going in and I'm meeting this doctor and I thought that I would, um, you know, we, we would just talk. But he decided, well, let's just go ahead and do a pap and let's go ahead and do this exam. And You know, it's one of those things like if you have a phobia or traumas or whatever that is triggered easily, sometimes it's just like, let's just get it over with. And that's kind of the approach that I took. So I saw him one time. He did the pap and the pelvic exam and all of that. And um, my my uterus was twisted and flipped. Um, It was a disaster. But he was excellent, wonderful, incredible bedside manner. Um, And for somebody who didn't know me, I felt like handled me very, very well. Um, And so I decided I'd have surgery the following February, which would have been February 2021. Turns out one of my colleagues was going to be leaving the practice and we were going to be short, short staffed, um, short on providers. And getting time off for surgery might have been difficult and would have definitely left my colleagues um, more short, even more short-staffed. So I had called them back and was like, okay, if you get an opening sooner, let me know and I'll take it. They called me on a Thursday and I was on the operating room table that Tuesday, which was good because um, Tuesday, November 3rd, um, It was good because I didn't have time to think about it and talk myself out of it like I have done in the past with a lot of different things. Um, It was difficult because my sister died on November 3rd, 2003. And so, you know, how we do black folks, we tend to associate or get a little superstitious about things. Um, But I really had to activate my faith and I really had to just you know, say, am I done dealing with this or not? Like, am I ready for this? And and I was, after seven years, I was. Um, so then I, oh my gosh, I don't know how much I should say or how much I shouldn't say, but I'm going to just put it all out there because I didn't let y'all know everything else, right? So <laughs> I was taking this medication called Famara. And it is a medication. It was I was using it experimentally to hopefully shrink the tumors before the surgery. But it also is a medication that people use to try to conceive. So imagine this for a moment. <laughs> I was late. I was late and I um, didn't know why I was late. And I started feeling all the physical things that you feel when you're pregnant, right? So the day before my surgery, because I'm freaking out, I had um, 
a tubal banding procedure years ago. So I'm not supposed to be able to get pregnant. So I get this pregnancy test. I'm getting all this stuff, you know, um, from the surgery for surgery and for um, healing and aftercare at the Walgreens. And I see these pregnancy tests like marked way, way down. And I'm everything's running through my mind. I'm like, you know what? Let me just snatch a couple. Right? So um, the doggone test was positive, y'all. I get up in the morning the day before my surgery and have a pregnancy test that is positive. Um, I will be 40 years old on my next birthday. My youngest child is 13. <laughs> I remember calling my mama and being like, Ma, can you imagine me crawling around after some baby? And we just both fell out laughing. Like, this is like hysterical. I really understood why in the Bible, Sarah laughed, you know, when she found out she was pregnant with Isaac. It was like, what else can you do but laugh? Um, Turns out it was likely a chemical pregnancy. I had to go to the lab and get a blood test which was actually negative and the blood test is more sensitive so whirlwind but I made it I made it to my surgery date um I was I went in the anesthesiologist was wonderful um I remember going in the operating room and I've never had a surgery in my life where I was cut so this is all new for me and um I just remember kind of like getting real sleepy and waking up. And when I woke up, when I tell you, I felt immediate relief. And I don't say this to persuade anybody to have the procedure I have, which is called an open myomectomy. And I should say, I should use the word surgery rather than procedure because it is surgery. Um, I immediately felt not just the physical weight lifted, but a spiritual weight like lifted, just lighter, just I knew right away that um, that it was all good. And I was immediately nervous that I might not have a uterus because, again, they I've been told repeatedly um, that that might be <laughs> uh, it might have to go. And when my doctor came and talked to me after, he told me that I still had my uterus. And honestly, that's the last thing I remember because a girl slept and slept and slept. And then um, recovery was a little bit rough. I'm not 25 anymore. Um, did not bounce. Did not bounce back. But I had six weeks off of work, and. Um, I feel fantastic now. So surgery was November 11th and um, I feel fantastic. And I'm sharing that because we have so many different things in our culture. Um, And I'm talking to, I'm talking about black American culture, right? Um, Surgery is just like, oh my goodness, even taking pills. Like I myself and a lot of my African-American patients really struggle with needing medicine. You know, um, a lot of us come from a lineage of of herbalists and and medicine men and women and natural healing practices. And so it can be really, really difficult to accept needing 
medical intervention that is not rooted in natural healing practices. When I tell you I have zero regrets about that surgery, I do mean zero. I don't even have a a fantastic scar, (laughs) y'all. It healed. Everything is so beautiful. And um, yeah, I needed to kind of share that and get that out, I think, because I did suffer for a really long time. I know that 80% of women have fibroids by the time they're 50 years old and the vast majority of those uh, of women who have symptomatic fibroids are black it is something that disproportionately affects black women so if you are a black woman who is suffering from fibroids or you know someone who is share this episode with them because when I tell you I tried everything, the Eulopristol, the IUD, the Famara, and all the other practices, I mean everything. And looking back now, I'm so grateful just for the support of my husband. I have to give my mom a shout out because um, I never thought she would be able to support me in something like this because she's a lot closer to those traditions than I am. Um, But when it came down time to do that, my mother was supportive on the day that she lost another daughter for her only living daughter to go on the operating room table. So uh, I'm super grateful to the people in my life, to my doctors and uh, medical providers and all the nurses that took care of me in the hospital. Um, All of that, all of that, all of that. Okay. I have to share something else with you guys. You have listened to Would You Get the Vaccine Part 1. That was an episode that was released back in May. Um, The most recent episode prior to this one was Would You Get the Vaccine Part 2, where guest of the show, Daryl, and Moderna, um, uh, oh gosh, (laughs) clinical trial participant Janique uh, came on and we all discussed the the vaccines and and kind of debunked Janique debunked some of the myths and the things that are circulating about the vaccines the misinformation that is circulating and so drum roll I got my vaccine the first one So there's two doses of the Pfizer COVID-19 vaccine that have to be given 21 days apart. I had the first of two doses on December the 23rd. Um, If you follow me on Instagram at DTheNP or Twitter at DTheNP, you may have seen my videos, um, one of me getting the vaccine and the other kind of updating, all right? coming up on the 24-hour postmark. First of all, I went running the day after my vaccine. (laughs) Um, I just, you know, I feel so good now, and I feel like I have this new lease on life with these tumors, which, by the way, I don't know if I told y'all, but they took seven fibroids out of me, and the large one was the size of an orange. Um, The largest one was the size of an orange, and then there was, you know, 
other ones as well. Um, so I just felt so good and I couldn't wait to heal so that I could be more active. So I got my vaccine on the 23rd. The shot itself, I barely felt it. Um, if you work in the medical field, you get all of the, the vaccines. I get my flu shot every year and, you know, everything up to date. So that part doesn't bother me. Um, perhaps if somebody had a phobia of needles, it might bother them. But really, it's such a tiny needle. It's hard for me to even think that would be hard. Um, and it was super fine. I think within the first 24 hour period, I had, my arm was a little sore, which it is with my flu shot as well. And, um, actually I think it was less sore with the Pfizer vaccine than it was with my flu shot. Um, and then I had some pain in my hips, um, Twice. So when I would go to rise from sitting to standing, once at work, getting up from my chair to go run a stress test, the second time was um, on my way home from work. I had made a stop. And when I got out of my car to stand up, it was like, ooh, okay, hips. Um, And joint pain is one of the listed side effects. So I didn't really think that much of it. That was it. I had a little heat wave which I honestly would not have noticed if I weren't looking for it. I was really like "Mm," thinking, you know, feeling myself out, like what's going on in my body? Am I straight? Am I not straight? And so those were the only things I had. So less than 24 hours after my first shot, I ran and I did the 20 minute Beyonce run on Peloton because I'm easing back into running. Very excited about that. And um, had no issues whatsoever. My hips weren't bothering me at all. Um, My second shot will be January 13th. And when I think about life after that, I just cannot. I almost want to cry. Like, it's so emotional. Because working in hospitals every day and clinics, I don't go around people. I've seen my mother twice in 10 months. I don't see my brothers. I don't see my nieces and nephews who I miss like crazy. I don't see my oldest child who doesn't live at home. Um, I don't go and see her a lot. I don't see my friends. I mean, and I'm not telling you guys anything that you don't know. You're going through this pandemic with the rest of us. But to know, to think that like, oh my gosh, you know, I might be able to go with friends to dinner or travel. I have not seen the inside of an airplane in 2020. Um, It just makes me almost go to tears. (laughs) Um, So I'm super excited about it. Everything's gone well. No funky quirks or side effects or anything like that for me. Um, What I will say is I'm hearing a lot of people say things like, I'm not taking it. I'm not, I'm not going to take it. No one's going to make you take it. You know what I mean? Like it's emergency use authorization. So emergency use is just that emergency use. Um, Those of us who are up close and, and have a, um, 
have jobs that that we have to go in and be in contact with people who may have symptoms of COVID, you know, we're getting the vaccine if we choose to. I have a friend who's a registered nurse who's chosen not to, and she's on the floor working with patients, you know. So I want to say that nobody um, is chasing you down with the vaccine, okay? There's a lot of people who want it that need to get an opportunity to get it before anybody's even thinking about, you know, whether or not it's going to be required to return to school in the fall of 2021. Who knows, right? We don't know that yet. We still have to come up with plans to get healthcare workers, elderly people who are in nursing homes, and so on and so forth, fascinated. Another thing um, that I have been hearing is like, um, you know, the you know how we are in our community. You know, the conspiracy theories about, about I shouldn't say that. I want to be careful with my language here because it's a sensitive topic that's very real. Medical um, apartheid, racism in medicine is very, very real. So I don't want to sit here and say we don't have a reason to feel the way a lot of people feel in the community because we very much do. But I want us to be responsible about, you know, not just spouting off stuff that sounds good or might plant seeds of doubt, but read about it, research it, clinicaltrials.gov. It's, it's public information. Um, so, you know, I'm one of those people. It's like if I feel really strongly about something, I feel really strongly about something. I don't need to bend the arms of the people around me to think the way that I think. I think that as um, mature adults, we can decide for ourselves whether or not something is beneficial for us and decide whether or not to partake. So that wraps up the last episode of the Purple Stethoscope for 2020. This was a lighter year. I didn't put out a ton of episodes. Y'all know I've been working and having surgery and recovering. And my mother has, you know, been battling heart failure. And, um, you know, that's, that is, you know about that. If you've listened to the heart failure episodes in the past, it's, it's not fun. Um, and I know this has been a difficult year for anybody. I can't imagine anybody who hasn't had a hard time this year, but we made it. We're here at the end of the year. Everybody didn't make it. And we send our condolences. I send personal condolences to those of you who have had to say goodbye to friends and family members during this really tumultuous, stressful, um, crazy, crazy year. A lot of folks, for a lot of folks, the vaccine did not come soon enough. For a lot of people, it came too quick. Um, But for a lot of folks, it didn't come soon enough. And so I send my heartfelt condolences uh, to you all who are going through the holiday season and ending this year with, with a smaller family or friend group than you started with. My heart goes out to you. Um, my heart goes out to you. And for all of us who have been able to um, work with all of the changes and 
the information coming at us so quickly. Um, kudos, kudos to you for learning Zoom and learning how to, you know, conduct your business in a way that doesn't put yourself and your consumers and colleagues at risk. We have a lot that we could talk about that divides us, but when I think about who we are as a nation and how we have all navigated this pandemic that touched us, you know, Zika didn't really touch us. Ebola didn't really touch us. You know, I know a couple people who died from H1N1, but it was nothing Nothing like the numbers that we're seeing now. This knocked on everybody's door. And we all rose to the occasion. Whether we stood our ground and our beliefs to not get caught up in the hysteria. Or whether we did get hysterical and did, you know, kind of freak out a little bit. It was warranted, but we figured it out. We kept putting one foot in front of the other. We kept getting up and living our lives through the constant onslaught of bad news. And here we are with a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel. Um, So I hope, I have high hopes that, you know, the curve will flatten, that we can achieve herd immunity through the combination of the vaccine and infection because, you know, it's a lot of people have been infected and have, you know, now the um, natural antibodies. And um, I know a handful of people who were infected in the summer and also got the vaccine. There's still a lot of unknowns and just like it started. I think the first time I I talked about this on the podcast with um, guest Shamika Brooks, wash your hands. We weren't even talking about masking. Dr. Fauci wasn't even talking about masking. We didn't think and know that masks were uh, a, a game changer when it came to slowing the transmission of this virus. But we've we've navigated the waters together, and my hope moving forward is that we will continue to do so, that through all of our disagreements and skepticism, we will still come out stronger, healthier, more knowledgeable, and more prepared uh, so that the next time a pandemic reaches us, um, we're ready to, to knock it out early on. Thank you so much for listening to the Purple Stethoscope podcast. I appreciate you. I appreciate everyone who has subscribed, everyone who's written a review. Thank you. Thank you. If you haven't, I'd love it if you did that. Um, It helps to hear back from you guys and to know if you're interested in um, hearing about these health topics. There's a million podcasts out there, but... You know, this podcast in particular, the goal of the Purple Stethoscope is to take medical information and make it translatable to the non-medical person. It's healthcare for the culture up in here. And I don't say health literacy because that kind of sounds, you know, academic. I say we're lit for health. uh, Stay lit for health. 
Happy holidays to you. And until next time, eat fresh and dance. Bye. for listening to the purple stethoscope i'm your host devin nixon family nurse practitioner you can find me on social media at d the np that's on twitter facebook instagram and now patreon if you like what you heard go ahead and share this episode and then head over to patreon to see how you can further support this work